Hello, everyone. My name is Adam Lyons. I am joined today by Aryan. What's up, guys? And I'm also joined today by Musty, resident technical expert and resident uh, staff writer. Hello, Musty. What's up? What's up? You all right? And of course, you know, my name is Adam, right. as I mentioned. And we were back for another episode of the podcast. This one, not a race review, obviously, mm-hmm. but kind of a season review because I've been watching the yeah. 2009 Formula One <laughs> season again because it's a, a wonderful season. And it's going to be a technical analysis, I guess. Some shenanigans in this episode. And we're going to be reviewing the driver market, talk about our thoughts in the Sebastian Vettel. Mm-hmm. Uh, situation if you didn't listen to our podcast last week we also talked about it at the end so you can definitely go and check it out there we're going to be elaborating on that a little bit mm-hmm. getting uh musty's viewpoints on that who's below me in our zoom call right now and yeah so it's going to be a good podcast all right what do you guys want to talk about first how sad i am about Seb Biddle. yeah <laughs> just get out of the way <laughs> i just love i don't know if you guys seen the f1 post of what they did I like the F1 content must have been like, okay, let me choose the saddest photo of Seb <laughs> and yeah. let me put that on there. When I saw that, I almost like cried because I'm like, this man deserves the world after what he's done. He's picked up trash. He's helped someone with a marriage <laughs> proposal. He's, he's an inspector. <laughs> he's an engineer. He's a, he's, he's, every, he's a marshal. He's everything world in champion. F1. The world champion. He drives cars. He's everything. And he deserved a P2. But sadly, as sometimes you do find yourself in the middle of the highway without any gas or petrol or whatever you call it in across in your in your country, you find yourself and you need roadside assistance. Sadly, FIA doesn't allow that. And sadly, you stop your journey. Yeah. That was the worst for explaining. I thought that was legit the worst for <laughs> explaining what Seb I'm also <laughs> I'm you know, I'm almost glad that uh-huh. he didn't win. Because yeah. then the win wouldn't have counted, and that would have even yeah. been even more heartbreaking. And again, I predicted he was going to win a race in the first nine races last year. And my co-host at the time, Mark, said, "He's like, that's what a stupid prediction." And then I also said that Red Bull were going to be world champions, and he also said that's a stupid prediction. <laughs> so I think I got a little bit of a hot, a hot streak. <laughs> Not that either of those are true. Sebastian Vettel one was close. The Red Bull one is uh, TBD. You will be able to tell by my tears at the end of the season. Or my tears of joy. But yeah, I you know, I still kind of hold my opinion on it. I, I don't I think Sebastian Vettel deserved that one hundred percent, but I don't mm-hmm. disagree with the disqualification as I know a lot of people have. It's not a new rule they implemented. It's a little harsh, but rules in F one are harsh, like harsh like F one is a harsh sport. Mm-hmm. So they they didn't uh, you know, didn't oblige by the rules and they got disqualified for it. So it's kind of hard to dispute them because it's so cut in stone. Again, if the fuel pump, the fuel extractor from the car wasn't working properly, maybe they can get around it. I'm not sure, but I think it was just that they're grasping at straws. I think the disqualification is yeah. going to hold up. Musty, what do you think? The Yeah, basically the issue was um, they had really strong grounds for an appeal, but the whole issue was that the FIA didn't want any, like, wasn't saying um that they like uh revoke the disqualification based on mm. the um sorry uh oh, i'm blanking uh they, they said they wouldn't revoke it based on like the cause of the issue it was more so mm. the fact that just they couldn't actually get a liter of fuel out 
Yeah. Like, yeah. Aston Martin said everything about, oh, this was the issue, this was the issue. But, like, they, in all the reports, it's clear they admit that they didn't actually have enough fuel. Yeah. So, that, that's, that's what, uh, in my opinion, it's fair. It's, it's harsh because normally, like, the rule affects, like, cars more so in, like, qualifying and stuff, and less so mm-hmm. at the end of a race. But, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah, it's, it, I believe it's a random inspection at the end of the race, but everyone, yeah. you know, the rule is if you run out of fuel at the end of the race, mm-hmm. you can park on the side of the road, but not in, quali- yeah. in qualifying. And I'm going to go back on what I just said, because the rule is very harsh. Like, mm-hmm. a liter of fuel for the sample, if that's the absolute bare minimum, then it kind of makes sense. But, you know, harsh or not, that's like it is it is a rule and all the other teams dealt with it and there were only yeah. so only one disqualification and 19 finishers although i think like five yeah. or six or them didn't even dnf so they don't really count but yeah even um i think it was ocon russell and i think maybe latifi a few cars anyway didn't make it back to park for may so yeah. they got tested as well and they passed. So it's not like he got like singled out in any way. Mm, yeah. Definitely. I, I heard about the rest of the cars, but I think to a certain extent, as Adam said, it isn't Seb's fault in a way. It's it's a Aston Martin's team overall fault. And I think mm, it's, mm. it's it's sort of a shared ownership in a way. Um, I think, for I mean, at least on merit, they had a really good rate race yeah, and yeah. they sort of f1 is you're just as good as your last race and sort of i think it's going to rise the confidence in seb and asimar as a team to it's a good it's a perfect way to end off that they finished off p2 on merit not the yeah. points well perfect would end off they finished p2 on merit and it's a great I mean, way of getting sort into of on merit i wouldn't really classify that as merit yeah i mean like on on, on 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 the pace of the race at least he finished p2 yeah no, yeah, no one's gonna take like, it away from him a breath of fresh air for us and Sebastian Vettel because Sebastian Vettel is very quickly becoming my favorite driver, if not being my favorite driver mm. right yeah, now. Sorry, like <laughs> Daniel Ricardo is Daniel, Daniel's the goat, but yeah, Sebastian Vettel still angry. I'm still angry, but hungry clearly. I'm- but yeah, Sebastian Vettel uh, quickly becoming one of my favorite drivers, and the, the performance is back. Yeah makes for he's, he's still got it and he's always energetic the first season in a new team like look at 2015 with ferrari he won in malaysia in a car that wasn't very competitive uh 2009 with red bull won in the red like that red bull was pretty competitive yeah they made a lot he did make a lot they made a lot of mistakes as well the whole team but yeah he was pretty competitive 2010 won the world championship moving into mm-hmm. toro Rosso as well like he won in Monza, so yeah, he's he's he, he's definitely becoming a sort of father figure in F one. I think he's, he's a rising like showing... he's a rising talent. Yeah. We'll see yeah, where this he's... kid ends up in a couple of years, though. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm yeah. not too oh. sure about him though. <laughs> yeah, hard to hate. Hard to hate. <laughs> exactly. He's definitely he's definitely like showing me a different side of Seb that we always knew existed. Like we always knew Seb was a nice guy, cared about the environment, cared about um, cared about everything. But he's sort of like in 2010 to 2013 when he was winning everything, thought he was a dickhead. (laughs) Yeah, true. I think after after (laughs) that, because he was winning. Yeah, true. I think after the Ferrari ages, he's always shown himself a different light and sort of like 
F1 is not his only thing in life. And I think that sort of helped his driving as well, could sort of calm down his nerves when he is behind the wheel and not the pressure of being a Ferrari driver or pressure to win every single race. Yeah. And I think the all round of just like everything in his life is coming together and it's showing on track. His performance has improved. Yeah, you take big, big, like, big way. You take that pressure off and mm. it's a lot easier to drive. But again, my dog is just absolutely having a heart attack upstairs. <laughs> I think if you could hear the barking, <laughs> just perfect timing. Doesn't bark all day. As soon as I click record on the podcast, he just loses <laughs> his marbles. But he wants to say how sad he feels about Seb. He's yeah. just barking away his sadness. My dog's a big F1 fan. <laughs> Isn't every what? dog a big F1 fan? Have you seen the um the, the cat that loves F1? The yeah, cat I have, on I have. TikTok. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen it on TikTok, yeah. And you think about it, the amount of animal-related stops we've had in F1. <laughs> there was a dog in the track in India. Um, and the famous who let the dogs out from Sebastian Vettel again. There was, there was, I remember Hamilton, I don't know which race was it last season or this year, where he said, is it, um, are you sure the dog is in Roscoe? Because <laughs> the dog was on Oh, yeah, that was Hamilton, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so next, so moving on from the Sebastian Vettel thing, because we've exhausted that topic. Yeah. Uh, for you guys, which race, I'm just asking this off the fly, which race has been your favorite of this season so far and why? Oh, it's a very hard one. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Like, I'm trying to go. Okay, what's yours? Do you, do you do you have an answer by the time we think? Yeah, for sure. I my favorite race was Baku, mm-hmm. and yep. it's a pretty, I guess, a controversial pick for myself because mm-hmm. as a Red Bull fan. But yeah, that race, I was a big fan of that race. Mm-hmm. It just what. I really enjoyed about it was it was intense and there was overtaking as there was. I remember in 2016, the first Baku Grand Prix was boring and people pretty much wrote it off immediately. And then the 2017 with the whole Sebastian Vettel, like driving into Lewis Hamilton and Sebastian Hamilton, Hamilton's um, is, I, I don't, I forget what it's called, but it sits next to their head. It's the rest cover you take off. Like yeah, this yeah, rest, yeah, yeah. rest cover, I guess that, like if that was loose, then he had to pit. So he took the two leaders out of the race and then someone else is leading. And then, so that race had a bunch. And then 2018 was just as exciting in 2019 as well. And then obviously 2020, no race. But yeah, there lots of overtaking. It's a really fun street track. It's very difficult to drive and get right. And mm-hmm. that last lap where everyone was just desperate to finish as high as they can when there's one lap fresh tires after a red flag was so awesome it's really nice for uh to see lewis hamilton make an absolute blunder (laughs) make a big mistake and then for sergio perez to win so it you know max did crash out and it wasn't Mm -hmm. his fault and it was a pretty scary incident and he was but he was unhurt which is good And he didn't get any points, which is all right, because Lewis Hamilton didn't get any points as well. And Sergio Perez won. So, yeah, that's a pretty good race. That's been my favorite one. There's, It's so hard to pick, though. Bahrain was so yeah. good. This um, season has just been really, really good. Yeah. France was probably the one that caught my attention the most because every lap with Max, like, catching Hamilton was, like, is he going to pass him? Is he, No, he's is not he going to do it. Then there's two laps left or three laps left. And he makes I mean, that the overtaking. Spain. For me, that was, like, for me, that was with Spain. Yeah. I remember 
um, he was in Exeter watching it at a sports bar and just watching him sort of catch each other was just really fun to watch two of the greats of the sports currently driving currently just like battle each other out and the strategy and it was I think it was a and, and for me recording my favorite drive was his best result so far so mm-hmm. I think that it sort of benefited that way as well but yeah, it was a really exciting race I think as you said this season it's we've had France we've had Spain we had Baku Bahrain was really exciting Silverstone really exciting um the uh, Hungary is really exciting yeah, I'm trying to think of a boring race. I don't think there's been a race where I was like that one was a snooze. Yeah. Uh, uh, not really many, are there? Yeah. Not really many. The whole season is the whole season's been yeah. good so far. It's given me very much of uh I think Monaco's opinion was pretty boring. Yeah, Monaco yeah, zero overtakes. Monaco one overtake, yeah. I think. But yeah, Monaco yeah. it was nice to see cars go around the track in Monaco and Max yeah. won, which was, yeah, it was nice. It's good to Hamilton. see science and, and Norris in the podium as well. Yeah, it's good to see. Probably my favorite podium in the season so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you, yeah, Musty? What's been your favorite race? I like Hungary just because I know it's recent, Ooh. but it's had it all. Yeah. Uh, a new winner. Mm. Williams double points finish. Vettel getting a podium. Somewhat. Big, <laughs> yeah, somewhat. Somewhat. Anyway, big uh, crash in turn one. Got the like uh, classic front runners charging up the field. I don't know. And like Alonso as well, making like a somewhat return to like peak performance. Yeah. That, like that a, Alonso Hamilton battle. Yeah. Yeah. So many good battles. Was so intense. I love that battle. Yeah. I think Hungary was probably, was probably one of the best races. I, I don't want to pick it. It was just like, just went back. Yeah. Yeah. I think overall this yeah. season, I think this season compared to 2020, we've had a, great drive top two rivals and a great mm. top two teams battle we've seen second drivers haven't done well at all Sergio has won yes done pretty well we've seen really bad form from each other as well so the Bottas strike and <laughs> Bottas, <laughs> finished, Bottas finished in the podium and finishing P3 when Lewis finished P2 so he's done really well there as well I think Hungary sort of topped it off with the ice sort of frosting on the cake where you got a new winner you had new people on the mm. podium you had well, sort of new people, but you had science in the battle base on the podium. Um, then you had Alonzo back in his prime, Williams doing really well. Um, you saw Mick crashing out in qualifying when you never see him sort of qualifying. You see Mick go as you always see Mazepin making the mistakes. Um, it wasn't your usual Hamilton or Max battle for the front, sort of yeah, sort of icing was, on the cake in a way. That was refreshing to see because you basically and you went from not seeing the rest of the field and only seeing Max and Lewis battle it out to then, well, also seeing Max and Lewis battle it out, but at the back, but getting to see that Ocon yeah. and Vettel fight was. Yeah. Definitely. It was definitely very interesting. This, this season, a lot of my, on the uh, race reviews on like the um, blog, like so many of the Q3 summaries is like mostly just like the fight between like Verstappen and Hamilton. And it's a good, like, nice year change. Yeah. I mean, hey, it's better than Hamilton demolishing the entire field every single <laughs> yeah. race. Except yeah. yeah. I think Verstappen won two races last year. He won Abu Dhabi and yeah. he won, um, I don't even remember the other one. He won like only a few, Botas only won two. Bottas hasn't won a race this season, which oh, is yeah. really funny because 
Hamilton, Verstappen, Ocon, Perez have all won. And yeah. no Botas. Botas released Botas a statement will, today will, that will he says. Hmm? I, I claim Botas will win the next one. Oh, you're going to win Belgium? Don't even say that because I don't think no. Red Bull <laughs> no. can't take any more blows to their championship. I think he will, but, but Max and Sergio will finish in the podium. How's yeah, that? Mercedes is bringing on a third car. It's going to be Roman Grosjean just <laughs> for the Belgian Grand Prix. Yeah. Did they call them Verstappen fans like Orange Wool or Orange Army, was it? Yeah, the Orange Army. But Max, they're going to be Max, all Max, along the Camel Strait. Super, super, super Max, 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 Yeah, Max. it's going to be crazy. <laughs> but... Yeah, I, I yeah, think I'm... it should be a very exciting rest of the season. You've already seen what we're halfway through, and we've yeah. had so much excitement already. Imagine what happens yeah. in the next half where the season actually is about exactly. to close. You'll see yeah. the rivalry getting better. Taken, this season has taken more years off my life than smoking <laughs> cigarettes would. <laughs> I, I honestly, I tell people all the time, I should have stopped. I should stop watching F one and just pick up cigarettes. <laughs> it'll probably kill me slower. <laughs> but, very true yeah, every, yeah. Yeah. but I, i'm yeah i'm getting a lot of very reminiscent of the the 2016 season and the 2015 mm-hmm. and 14 season but i just yeah. really want to go back to the days where you have like five people fighting for the championships mm-hmm. like 2010 Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Sebastian Vettel is the underdog. Mark Webber Ooh. is the favorite from Red Bull. Alonso is in the lead. You have two McLarens that can win, and you have both Red Bulls. Five drivers who can win it, and it it literally comes down to where um, Sebastian Vettel's race engineer is like, oh, yeah. there's Button. That, you just wait, Sunshine. There's Hamilton. Yeah. There's there. You just wait, and then the counting down instead of you know, in recent seasons where we've really seen it, besides 2016, we've seen it be decided before like the final race. races before. Yeah. But that's, I think 2010 that's... was, sorry to cut you off, but 2010 was basically where, I think all three of us actually, became really true F1, sort of getting into F1 a bit more. Yeah. I think 2020 yeah. was like, wow, it could have been any one of them drivers win. And like the iconic line, or like it always stays in my head, you just wait, sunshine. You just wait. Yeah, class. That will that, always stick with my brain. Yeah. I mean, I became a Formula One fan in 2015, so I didn't really. Yeah. But, but I think that moment sort of like reignites yeah. our passion for F1. Oh, and that's something it, that yeah. I think will happen next year, hopefully with the new regs. Especially because Sebastian Vettel was kind of the underdog mm. in that season, like very much. Like he was 25 points behind after Japan. So, yeah. Great season. Speaking of early F1 seasons, I'm re-watching. So again, I'm a big advocate for the F1 TV. I think it's great, good bang for this is not sponsored by F1 TV. This isn't sponsored. Not not yet. But if you would if you would want to sponsor us, please contact us at the undercut podcast at geo.com. Do you imagine if Formula One sponsors us? (laughs) We're sponsored by just Formula One, like Liberty Media is like sure. We've taken on Beyond the Grid. Here's 10 million (laughs) dollars. That'll be sick. That'll be very sick. Yeah, ten million dollars sounds pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Now the two thousand and nine season, the racing back then, it it really kind of shows you what's wrong with F one now. And don't get me wrong, I love F one now, but I really wish I was an F one fan back then as well because those early races just they Formula One I think needs to get rid of the AWS. As well, this is a question I had. Yeah. Do you think do you think technology has made F one worse? As in, 
not technologies and like um, technology advances in the car, but technologies with cameras and uh, viewpoints for F1 fans made it worse or made it better. Like AWS, those kind of systems. I think it's both. It's a bit like parabolic, like with absolutely no on-screen information and mm-hmm. you're just watching the cars go around the track with the commentators. Like I was, I was, watch, I was watching a lot of races from the early nineties just cause I love yeah. those cars, but, and you just don't have the information. I'm like, I don't know who's in first really, or like who's in third or fourth. Cause you know, they don't, they don't really tell you. Yeah. But they're, yeah. In the early two thousands, Again, like not a ton of, I love the on-screen, like showing the grid order and the fight for third, or even like that kind of stuff. But yeah, the AWS and that sort of technology, like you don't, don't spoon feed me. The, it's like in a horror movie, I've had this rant so many times. So people like, you know, constant listeners of the podcast are probably like, oh my God, here it goes again. But <laughs> like, it's like a horror movie. And, you know, the person's creeping into a door and they're going to open it. And then all of a sudden, AWS graphic, there is a 82% chance there's a monster behind that door. <laughs> monster attacking in two minutes. It just takes away a lot. So, yeah, I, I think, the, the I think that kind of stuff. And even like the camera, the cameras have changed. If you watch yeah. an early 2000s race or like an early 2010 race, those cars they look so fast and it i've you know watched kind of i've watched videos on it and have done research on it not research but i've read articles on it and it's just the way when the cameras used to be static it used to make the cars look very quickly but when you follow the car mm. through the track it makes it the car look static which makes it look yeah. very slow and even lando norris has complained about that and i don't know what we I think F1's too far gone though with the the regulations. Like Adrian Newey, I know is a very big advocate for the frustration with the regulations. Like you just look back at the early, like the early cars, and they they all looked so different. When now they're so homogenized, mm. they all are pretty much the same. They look yeah. similar. Where if you took off the liveries and you showed. Someone, it would be pretty hard to guess. Obviously, us as Formula One fans and podcasts, I, I noticed the differences, but they're not yeah. as drastic as they were in the early 2000s. Yeah. And the creativity that aerodynamicists and just engineers and everyone has is, nice. is a lot lower. What do you Definitely. guys think? That was a massive <laughs> log. I could just do the podcast myself. Yeah. We're definitely not going to see another like Gordon Murray fan car or like a six wheel Tyrrell. But yeah, also like to do with the speed of the cars, like uh, it's, mm. it's when the F1 changed like the ratio like, of how they, um, the on-screen ratio of how yeah. they film their stuff. Yeah, I think like it looks way slower than it actually used to be. Definitely. Yeah. I think it's sort of maybe to make non-F1 fans like ourselves into the sport. Because I know when it goes so quick, you sort of don't realize. I think people who are non-F1 fans don't um, sort of don't pay attention like we're like 100% focused. we think about everything we only watch the race but i think the non-f1 fans are sort of like on their phones or eating or like doing other stuff i think it's sort of to make the wider audience of f1 into f1 if that makes sense mm-hmm. i think that's it's all about attracting your fans i think the static yeah. thing boils down like the business side of it which is the sponsors mm-hmm. yeah and the cars just also look slower because they're wider yeah and they're yeah. bigger yeah like those cars like the 2009 cars in 2010s 
were so thin and small and they were like seven seconds a lap or eight seconds a lap slower than the current cars but they just look so much faster and so mm. elegant and peaceful like so this is really hoping that 2022 cars make that change we're never going to mm. go back to that and don't even get me like the v8s on those cars sounded amazing <laughs> when you have the turbo v6s but yeah all good yeah. All good things to come in 2022. I'm excited for 2022. And I love these cars, but they're wide, difficult to overtake. These are all the rants that, you know, we've mentioned on the podcast before. But Yeah. 2022 should be a very exciting. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I think it has big shoes to fill, as Mercy is saying. Mm -hmm. I think it's sort of a season where everything is changing. Like, it reminds me of, like, back when the – that was switched between where Red Bull started dominating and Mercedes started really – picking it up that's for a switch and i feel there's someone there's like a mclaren up picking or a ferrari up picking happening oh, yeah. to take over mercedes or red bull i don't know it just depends who finds the loopholes and who uh exploits the rules definitely definitely <laughs> mclaren <laughs> <laughs> okay so moving on we are so last two weeks ago uh-huh. uh musty Arian and Chris, resident podcasters, went over the driver market. If you want to hear their driver market predictions for next year, click the link to that podcast. It will be linked below. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're going to go over mine, and I'm going to kind of give my thoughts and who I think. So I'm going to run through the teams yeah, and decide who I think is going to be in those seats. Mm-hmm. If you disagree with me, please let us know. Send us a DM. <laughs> and... Yeah, so let's get into it. Let me just pull up the list. I haven't even. Okay, well, would... let's let's start with Mercedes. I'll, I'll remind what me and what I said at least. I said Mercedes could be Lewis Hamilton and George Russell, mostly. I think I, I said I think I said uh, Bottas and Lewis, mm-hmm. just because and... I feel like yeah, Russell isn't quite ready probably. Yeah. Very very interesting. Yeah. I don't. I think um, I'm gonna think I'm thinking Ham. Ham Russ, Hamilton Russell. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Russell is not really, he's a very hot commodity. Mm-hmm. He's also very loyal to Mercedes. But, you know, the longer they keep him in that seat, the more frustrated he's going to get and the more he's going to want to move to mm-hmm. somewhere else. Uh, I think, yeah, Red Bull, Max, and Perez. Yeah, they're not changing. Yeah, yeah they're not changing. McLaren. Or hopefully not. M- McLaren, uh, Norris, Ricardo. They both already signed for next year, so yeah, that you can't really change. Uh, Ferrari, yeah, signs are clear. Both signed. <laughs> this is going a lot faster than I thought it would. <laughs> yeah. um, Alphatari, I think, I think Gasly and Sonoda. Unless something really goes bad for Sonoda this season. Mm-hmm. Mm. But I feel bad for Gasly, though. He's still stuck in that same seat. There mm. has to be a better... But I think... It might work to his advantage. I think next year, I spoke about this in the podcast, but I think um, AlphaTauri will be a very competitive car next year. They'll be where McLaren and Ferrari are right now, I think. Mm. Like, I think, like, Liam Lawson, mm. th- are both are both Alpine drivers signed for next year? Alcon is Alonso isn't yet. But I don't I think, think Alonso's getting dropped. <laughs> 
Well, I don't think you could drop it. I, I don't think I don't think Pierre Gasly and Alcon will be working together as well. That's a very <laughs> that's a very rare chance. Yeah, but if Pierre Gasly went elsewhere, maybe Mercedes. You've seen crazier things happen. Then Liam Lawson would for sure fill that seat. Mm, definitely. Yeah, um, because he's, he's he's very quick. Yeah. Then uh, Alpine, Ocon, Alonso. Yeah. I don't think Alonzo, like he's on fire. He seems like he's driving like he's 20. Meanwhile, he's like 40. Mm-hmm. Uh, bold prediction, but I think Alonso's retiring after next year. Oh, yeah, I think so as well. It came back for a couple years. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, see, we'll see what, you know, I think the Alpine car is going to be very competitive going into 2022 because they would have mm-hmm. shown him. He didn't just join to be in a midfield team for two years and then dip because the car is going to be pretty competitive and they are going to, they are showing, they have to be showing promise for him to even want to come back. Yeah. But yeah, then Aston Martin, Vettel, Stroll. Mm-hmm. Pretty, yeah. st- pretty standard. I'm just naming the 2020. <laughs> <laughs> it, will be, it will be very similar because I think most of them have signed off for two years contract, like how mm-hmm. Danny did, Science did, Vettel mm-hmm. did. Stroll definitely will be on the team because Daddy Stroll money's in there. Williams. Very interesting. Uh, Once Latifi, I think. Hopefully. Yeah, I think so as well. I had, I had a prediction having Nico in there. Or uh, having Nico. a Botas swap, one of them. Hulkenberg? Yeah. Oh, Rosberg. I would take Rosberg as well. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine if Rosberg came back after five years not five in the sport? Uh, I mean, I, he's an extreme E, so it's not a big difference. Is yeah, I don't think he drives an extreme E. He just has no, he a team. He doesn't, though. He just has a team. Yeah, sure. Maybe you come back with the team that Nico Rosberg, like Rosberg GP. Rosberg GP. <laughs> and he tries to, like, implement, like, a Braun GP, like, double diffuser situation and, like, win the championship, <laughs> which is, like, 50 <laughs> seconds off the pace. That <laughs> <laughs> was fun to watch. Is Rosberg GP career over? <laughs> That means that yet. <laughs> Williams, I think it's going to be Latifi and uh, I was kind of put on the spot with this. Hard right, and like you just brought it up right before the podcast. You're like, all right, we're going to get your driver predictions. I'm, Go for it. What's I'm your sure. gut feeling? What's your, okay, what's your where Dan do you take them? Dan take them. Very nice. The guy who's just dropped from Williams. <laughs> that'll be fuck. That'll, that'll, that'll be very hilarious. And his first interview is like, what do you think with your new teammate Latifi? He is a poo-poo driver, <laughs> or, or whatever he said. Uh, he said um, Latifi is poo and was singing that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I felt like that was right before the Hungarian GP as well. Like, the timing for him was so bad. Yeah. It, uh, like, there aren't a ton of good drivers in the, in the Williams Driver Academy right now. Like, yeah. honestly, Jamie Chadwick. Mm-hmm. She could like be in there. Yeah. 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 I don't think so. She doesn't really have the experience. Yeah. Uh, Roy Nassani has gotten a lot of experience, but he's not doing that well. And um, F2. F2. And then Jack Aiken is the other option. I think Jack Aiken's a very good shot, I would say. He's, I think. Uh, Go for it. He's the only um, out of those three. He's the only one that with a super license. Yeah. Anyways. Very true. Very true. <laughs> I think yeah, it's that, either right. It's, they it's can't even toss. give Jamie Chadwick the yeah. sweep. But I think it's either a toss up between Atkin or 
if Botas chooses to swap with Mercedes, mm. maybe that. Or if we choose yeah. to go to Alfa Romeo, maybe that. Or maybe Haas, you never know. Mm-hmm. That'd be funny. Right. Botas and Nick and Mazepin and Haas. <laughs> well, I think it's going to be Raikkonen and or Gio, Giovinazzi and Botas. Okay. And okay. the Alfa Romeo. And then Haas, just shoot me at Mazepin. <laughs> Just Mazepin to make. Just Mazepin. Oh, it's just going to be Mazepin. Like, we're going to drop Schumacher and run just Mazepin. You can't get beat by your team if you don't have one. True. Very true. That's Papa Mazepin's rule. (laughs) Maybe they'll be broke next year and they can only afford one car. That's the other thing. (laughs) When teams only have one car now (laughs) or three cars? Like, like what if they have, like, after the pit stop, you just, like, like, what after the pit stop, you switch drivers? <laughs> That'll be fun to watch. Like a 24 hour, like an endurance race yeah, in the yeah, WBC. Yeah. I, I mean, it would be pretty drivers, entertaining. Like, That'll be very cool to, to watch. Like, F1. one drives in the wet, one drives in the, in the dry. That'll be very cool to watch. F1, if you're listening, we're going to make the races to 1,200 1, kilometers. That's four <laughs> race distances. And we're going to have three <laughs> drivers and we're going to swap drivers. Yeah, let's make F one. You know, but yeah, that's my driver lineup. Uh, We'll do another podcast on this. Our thoughts about this, our predictions at the end of the season as well. But as of right now, like a lot of people are locked in for next year. I think everyone on the grid, besides from wanting to race in F one, especially wants to race in F one twenty twenty two, in the twenty twenty two season because of because of its the new regulations and the cars look elegant. And who, do, who wouldn't want to drive one of those cars? Like, I mean, Danny Ricardo said yeah. doesn't look good. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but I think next right. next should be very fun. Next should be one of those years where it's sort of like, I think it's either make or break for F one in that way. As in, it always will be always will F one be existed. So I think it's make or break in terms of can they extract new fans with the new regulations? Yeah, I mean they're already if they, attracting um, a ton of new fans, yeah. but like it'll either yeah. if yeah. the cars can deliver basically. The close race. Cars can race, but they're looking good. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm excited. Exactly. exactly. All right. So last segment of this podcast, because it's been a little bit of a mixed bag of podcasts. We have a couple of very exciting guests coming on for our next podcast, which should be exciting. Um, it is going to be tops and flops. We mm-hmm. did this briefly a couple of years ago, but it's going to be, or not a couple of years ago, a couple of podcasts ago and back in April, but it's just going to be our top driver and why and our bottom driver and why. But the trick, the catch is you can't pick Mazepin yeah. and you can't pick Max Verstappen. Mm. Or Lewis that way. Yeah. I'm not picking Lewis. Are you serious? You can't. Terrible. He's a, he's you can't you season. can't pick the top two in the last driver basically. Yeah, that's fair. All right, Musty, you're up. Putting you on the spot. Uh, top one, Lando. Top one. Yeah, uh, top Lando. Play it like just three podiums so far. Stand up season by far. He's really getting the stride, getting in his stride. I mean, in the McLaren, the team's loving it. The Brits are loving it. Everyone's loving it. Mm-hmm. Um. Bottom, oh, uh, me. Well, 
I was gonna say Ocon, but uh, not so much after Hungary. Um, that was very funny. He, he, he was a bit missing. Yeah, what are you saying? Ocon's had a great season so far. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I, that's what I was saying. I was saying like two um, bad races. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. get off the podcast. Boo. <laughs> Stick to the vlogs. Oh, I'm trying to think. Maybe Sonoda. I don't know. I feel like he hasn't like. Definitely. He's Definitely. not. He's not doing that bad, but he's not doing that good either. He's just like floating somewhere in between. Mm. I feel like he needs the good old uh, album thing where he needs one big, one big uh, <laughs> performance to prove his seat. But um, very, I true. Know. very true. Yeah, yeah just like just want to see more from him. Mm-hmm. Sonoda has a, had a pretty bad season. Just a lot of mistakes, mm. like. You know, like yeah. I already some rookie mistakes. His Mazepin is making them, Schumacher is making them, all the rookies are making them. But it's a and lot of Bottas. mistakes. Bottas, <laughs> rookie mistakes. Mm. But you yeah, to make that many mistakes is, I don't know. And the qualifying performance isn't there, but his race pace is really good. Yeah. And he's, but he's, thir- he's 18 points to Pierre Gasly's 50. Yeah. So that, yeah. you know, in a team where those points mean a lot, that was like Hamilton having like 200 points and Bottas having like 87. Mm. Yeah. So, Basically. Aaron, who, what are your thoughts? Who are your tops and flops? My top, Carlos Sainz, definitely without a doubt. He's adapted to this Ferrari so quick. And at some stages, he's a really outperforming Charles as well. Like, I think he's sort of showing that he can match Charles, which we haven't really found anyone. Seb couldn't match Charles at least. Um, Max sometimes would, uh, would sometimes drive a bit less than um, Charles would with getting, like Charles getting pulled, stuff like that. So I think Carlos, out of the drivers who's new to the course this season, adjusted the best and sort of performed really, really well as well. Um, my flop, I would love to say Danny, but I don't want to say Danny Ray. I want to say someone else. I'm going to say Kimi Raikkonen because I expected a lot from the 40-year-old Iceman or however mm. old he is now, probably 50 or 100, I don't know anymore. Um, <laughs> but I expected a lot more from him and I think this year has sort of been a very big flop for him and there's no real reason for it. That the Alpha does have pace because Antonio mm. can bring it out of it. So I think it's just been Kimi. It's not been that great. Yeah, Kimi's made a couple of key mistakes this season as well. Like with Vettel, the last lap of the Australian the Austrian mm. Grand Prix, sorry, and a couple of other things. And yeah, his pace just hasn't been there. And again, like, you know, he's he has two points. So he's got twice as many points as Antonio Giovinazzi. Mm-hmm. But, but, but that's where the shirt of my luck. <laughs> yeah. My top driver is I'm trying not to pick the same ones as you guys have picked, but I think I'm gonna have to. It's gotta be Lando. What it I'm so happy for Lando. Really went from yeah. when he came into the sport, he was very like just fun, I guess, and joking and not mm. taking the sport seriously mm-hmm. in a way. And his performances started to reflect like he started, his performances started to reflect on his kind of lack of seriousness. And he was like a Twitch streamer and he would say stuff like, yeah, when I'm driving, I'm always looking up at birds and trees and buildings yeah. and stuff like that. And I've seen that. Things like that are just really kind of hurt his images. This is something Ricardo also went through. Mm-hmm. But Lando still, he's finding a pretty good balance and he's taking the sport 
a lot more seriously, it seems. And, you know, those are reflected in his performances when he's getting podiums and he's maximizing that car and really driving the, driving the hell out of it. Mm-hmm. So he's definitely the top driver besides obviously Max who has not put a foot wrong this entire season. And Hamilton has had a lot of, uh, Hamilton's been pretty good as well, I guess. But mm-hmm. Hamilton's made a mistake in a ton of races where I haven't seen Max mm-hmm. make a ton of mistakes. Max, um, Hamilton messed up in Bahrain. He went off the track in Imola. Pretty good race in Spain. Mm-hmm. Baku with the brake magic. Um, then Silverstone, he ran Max off the track. Then he made a blunder in Hungary and didn't change his tires mm-hmm. and things like that. Yeah. It seems every time Max has a bad race, which for something that's mm-hmm. not his fault, Hamilton just goes and Fs it all up. So he's yeah. he's not my bottom by the way but he's he's somewhere in the middle he's had a pretty a pretty poor season okay. which is funny because he's 195 points the max is 187 but he should be like 230 points yeah very true my lowest is Bottas what an absolute what a shameful season he's had it's been it's been so shameful it borderline disgraceful season a hundred and when you're like 87 points behind your teammate and we're only at halfway through the season that's in a Mercedes and you're behind a McLaren in the, if you told me in 2016 that a Mercedes will be behind a McLaren in the championship five years later, I would have said you were a complete idiot (laughs) because I would not have believed that for a second. But again, I've, I never, uh, Predictions in Formula One don't really work that well because it's a very unpredictable sport. But yeah, Bottas, just I just I can't say anything else. And it's just it's just been shameful. Like Bottas, I'm yeah. sorry. You know, I, I really feel for him. And you know, it it kind of compile like it compiles because the pressure gets to you, so you perform worse, which means there's more pressure, which gets to you, which means you perform worse, and it it's snowball effect that goes back and forth. So, but 108 points and behind Lando Norris and not having a win yet at the summer break is, is shameful. And he says he's an asset to the team and he, he probably is a pretty big asset. Like a lot of people shit on Mark Weber, Weber, if you're a German. So did Mark Weber crash out three of his biggest rivals? No, no. Mark (laughs) Weber is not part of the master plan. No, but Mark Webber, he, where he really like, he is part of the reason that Mac, uh, not Max, uh, Sebastian Vettel won the championship, and it's because his arrow feedback to mm-hmm. Adrian Newey and his just general feedback on the car was so in depth and accurate that they were able to develop that car in a much more efficient and accurate manner that that um, suited his driving and Sebastian's. So his he would say, oh, the just yeah, his arrow feedback especially was was really in depth. So he provided a lot of asset to the team through that way. And if they're winning the constructors championship and they're winning the drivers championship, they don't really care who wins. They just kind of want to win. Yeah. And it, it's kind of I, I think it might be the same thing. If Botas gives great feedback to Mercedes, then yeah. bringing Russell and might hurt them a little bit if he can't give that feedback, but he's also been in the sport for a while and Russell's a genius. So 
Yeah, but I think that's why you have Lewis, so you can sort of like pair up a rookie in a way. I, I think he's sort of a rookie now, but a rookie with a seasoned vet in a way. Mm-hmm. That that's something that 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 partnership should be pretty cool. Yeah, it should develop Russell's skills if he goes to the Mercedes next year. But and yeah, those are my tops and flops. Okay, well that is pretty much it from us. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for coming on this journey with us. Uh, mm-hmm. What did you think of the podcast? Please let us know. Leave us a review. Message us on our website at www.theunicapod.ca. Mm-hmm. Uh, follow, follow us on social, social media. Yep, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, all that mm-hmm. at the Pod Clubhouse. Reach out to us on Clubhouse at the Pod. We're going to be doing some fun stuff on there, like live sessions and Q and A's, things like that. If you guys want to know more about us, our views on things about the sport, and yeah, have a good one, guys, and we will see you next week for another off-week podcast. But this one is exciting. I mean, they're all exciting, the off-week podcast. But we have mm-hmm. we have a fun guest. I'm not gonna say names. It rhymes yes. with Schmania for her. It's not Daniel Ricardo, but he's equally as exciting, and we're equally as excited to have him on. All right, exactly. Goodbye, everyone. Perfect, Perfect guys. Bye. <laughs>